Good evening, motherfuckers, and welcome back to episode 10 of Tusk. And I would like to thank you all for listening in every single week. And today we have a lot to celebrate because it has officially been 69 days since we released episode 1. So, nice. Now, uh, Marquis, I would also like to personally thank you a lot for joining me on this great journey that we've had with this show. How are you doing tonight? It has been quite a journey, Tusk. I'm doing really good tonight. It's quite nice, so to speak, that we've just hit 69 days since Tusk first aired. Uh, Looking forward to uh, many more groups of 69 days. Perhaps even make it to 6,969 days. There you go. All right. And... Once again, I don't think we'll ever have a week that doesn't have a shit ton of entertaining shit to report on, but still, nonetheless, it's been a hell of a week, and we've got quite a bit to talk about today. So, as always in every news report ever, Trump is involved in this report. He cannot ever stay out of the limelight. So, as I'm sure you all remember, last week we covered Kanye West and his, well, stupid remarks that he made about Nazi Germany and Adolf Hitler and the Jews, and for some reason, and I'm not sure, I don't have that information up right now, I'm not sure if this was before or after he went on with Alex Jones, but Donald Trump hosted Kanye West and Nick Fuentes at a dinner one night a couple weeks ago. And Trump says, allegedly, that he was not aware that Nick Fuentes was going to be there. Apparently, he only invited Kanye, and Kanye brought Nick with him. And the way I see it, nobody can really know for sure what they talked about, but it's still a really, really bad look for him. I'm starting to think maybe he's making a lot of shitty decisions intentionally for one reason or another. Maybe he just wants to see how far he can get with these bad marks on his record, such as, well, we all know. Every I'm sure you've all heard by now some of the things that Trump has said in regards to what he thinks should be done about corruption. Um, Marquis, I'm sure you can give a better insight on that than I can. Right. So the other day, Trump took the Truth Social and uh, in all caps and laid in with exclamation points, he said a couple things. One that really raised some eyebrows was this one, and I quote, So, with the revelation of massive and widespread fraud and deception in working closely with big tech companies, the DNC, and the Democrat Party, do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner, or do you have a new election? Massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the constitutions. Our great founders did not want and would not condone a false and fraudulent elections. 
Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot right there. That's a lot. It's not every day that the former president comes out and says that uh, the Constitution should be suspended. The other day I wrote an article on my personal blog, theconservativecritique.com, about this whole thing entitled Former President Donald Trump Suggests Suspending the Constitution. Very rare thing we have right here. This is this isn't exactly something that happens every day. And that came from a former president really means quite a lot, wouldn't you say? Indeed. Yeah, it does. While it's not necessarily something new that a politician tries to completely wipe his ass with the Constitution, as usual, at least Trump is up front about it, but still, that's not an excuse. True, the Founding Fathers would absolutely not agree with corruption in elections, but they would also very much so not like having the Constitution that they wrote to protect the citizens of America just thrown into the fucking gutter. So, I really don't know if Trump is just that hot-headed that he'll just go ahead and post some shit like that in anger or frustration, or if he's got something going on behind the scenes that I don't know maybe he really thinks that people will just support him no matter what he says I don't know but indeed it's not a good look for him at all and if he really wants to try to get a second term under his belt he should stay away from anything that he thinks is a good idea to post. And posting that we should negate the Constitution, that is not a good way to win any political battle ever. And obviously, corruption or not, we cannot throw the Constitution out the window. The Constitution is a non-negotiable. And there are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. No exceptions. And that's why I believe martial law, something that unfortunately Abraham Lincoln put in place at one point, is not excusable. There is no, we will give this back to you, we just have to suspend it for now to take care of this issue. No. The Constitution is a non-negotiable. You cannot ever void it or take it away or make it non-applicable in any situation. The Constitution is the Constitution for a reason. Right. The only problem with the Constitution that I see, and it's the same problem that Murray Rothbard was fond of pointing out, is that, quite frankly, it doesn't go far enough to protect American liberty. Just look at the state of affairs we have today. We have all these protections in the Constitution, but... These rights aren't actually protected in real life. So I guess that was a rope of sand. I guess that was a barrier of paper. That's all well and good to have highfalutin language, but if it's not actually protecting you, then and that's just not very good. But that's that true. fact aside, Trump is just saying that we should get rid of even the semblance, even the form of the Constitution even though we've already gotten rid of that which supports it. The substance of it is gone, the form remains, and 
if we cast off the form, then we might as well just give up the ghost and just become a dictatorship flat out. Then there's just nothing left. It's just a husk. It's sure. getting that way right now, but at least we all pretend that we still have liberty. If we all stopped pretending that we had liberty, then uh, the situation might be uh, a lot different. And whatever amount of the rule of law that we also have, which is the respect for customs, traditions, social mores, the unwritten code by which states are governed, that goes out the window. And the gang rib stuff that's in the Constitution is the best way to do that. Then there's no telling what can happen. Absolutely no telling. That's true. I read somewhere, hell, as much as I hate to admit it, it might have been on Wikipedia, honestly, even though I hate using Wikipedia for reasons that I'll probably get into at some point, that uh, the American Constitution has fewer amendments for rights than the majority of other nations' constitutions. Granted, other nations' constitutions don't really guarantee the right liberties that our Constitution provides, but still, uh, the point stands. And I do think that... <laughs> While the Founding Fathers probably had more common sense than most government officials have today, they probably figured, yeah, shall not be infringed is pretty fucking clear. Still, they probably could have gone a few steps further. Either way, right. at this point, I hope that Trump is just going to sabotage himself enough to lose in the primaries to Ron DeSantis. Indeed. The Tenth Amendment was supposed to guarantee us a lot more freedom than it does in reality saying that basically all freedoms that aren't explicitly given to the federal government are reserved to the states or to the people. But so everything that isn't explicitly the, the purview of the feds is explicitly is implicitly then the purview of everyone else but the feds. In reality, that doesn't work very much anymore. But I digress. Right. I think I, we definitely shouldn't be throwing out the Constitution, but whatever. Speaking of corruption in government officials, just a couple weeks ago, Anthony Fauci, as you all know, he's already corrupt as shit and is borderline a criminal, if not completely a criminal. He was recently interviewed and gave a deposition, essentially admitting to collusion with social media websites to silence certain speech about COVID. Now, this is just speculation. However, I'm pretty sure that that censorship applied to people, perhaps implying that COVID should not be enforced at a federal level and forcing people to stay at their homes. And that if you do not stay at your home, you're a mass murderer, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But there is an entire deposition a transcript about said deposition with Dr. Fauci. It is, fuck, looking at it now, it is 446 pages long. However, as much as I don't like resorting to Fox News, I don't like Fox News. I think a lot of shit they blow out of the water. Better than CNN, but I don't watch them anyway. However, you can go to fox2now.com and access this deposition right there. They have the entire transcript there. 
again, it's over 400 pages long, but if you have that time of day, you can do it. It was uh, Attorneys General for Missouri and Louisiana, Missouri's Eric Schmidt and Louisiana's Jeff Landry. They testified against Dr. Fauci last month, alleging that the federal government colluded with social media companies to censor speech. Marquis, your thoughts? Right. It's uh, very interesting that we talk about this segment right now, uh, because when this airs tomorrow, it's going to be 1,000 days since 15 days to slow the spread happened. Aha. Amazing how that works. They say it's going to be 15 days, and then we can just go back to normal, or we can at least start the process of going back to normal. But that's not how it happened at all. That This started on March 16th, 2020. Four days later, or when I was working on cars with my friends, I got a notification. My phone buzzed. When I took it out of my pants, I read it, and it's saying that Illinois, by order of the governor, is going to lock down indefinitely in a couple days. I was shocked. All my friends were shocked when that happened. And this was just four days after 15 days to slow the spread. When they said it was 15, it turned into... God, it turned into so much longer. There are still COVID restrictions in place. How the, the army... He up is still currently discharging people for not having the COVID shot. It, and this is a thousand days later. Fauci was there with Trump when this, this whole thing started. He's been there since the beginning. Fauci's been lying and being a flat-out authoritarian for this whole time. For a thousand days. I'm going to be releasing an article about this little uh, anniversary, let's call it tomorrow and yeah what did we learn a thousand days of slow the spread what did we learn from it all we learned that we shouldn't give power to government in the midst of a crisis because when you give power to government in the midst of a crisis that's usually when government grows the most professor robert higgs is the, the reason we know so much about how government grows and that it grows in explosive, identifiable short spurts that are always related to crises. Great Depression, World War One, World War Two, Civil 2008. War. Yes, the pandemic of 2020. All of this, these are the biggest episodes where government grew. And as a result, this little dynamic is called the ratchet effect, because like a ratchet, it only applies force going in one direction, and then it locks. It doesn't go backwards. Government is like this. It always, during a crisis, augments its power. But once the crisis is passed, it doesn't revert back to the way it was before. It might slide back a little bit, but still going to be a baseline that's higher, stronger, and more powerful than it was originally. This is how government grows. If I may add, the only reason it might even slide back just a little bit is so that they can say, hey, see, we slid back just a little bit. You're still stuck yeah. in a pill of shit, but we took out a little teaspoon of it. Yes, very cool of them. And, uh... 
just as a result of this whole coronavirus pandemic and how the government responded, YouGov teamed up with Americans for Prosperity to do a poll on how Americans think that their government did on the pandemic and how they feel in relation to their government about the pandemic. 42% feel less secure about voicing their opinions. 43% feel less secure about their freedom to protest. 36% feel less secure about their freedom to exercise religious beliefs. In a country that's only raison d'etre, its only reason for being, is to be a safe harbor for freedom. How does, does this line up? A country that's supposedly all about freedom and people are scared to practice their religious beliefs, they're scared to protest, and they're scared to voice their opinions. This isn't a psychology of a people who are free. This is a psychology of a people who are being turned into serfs. Indeed. And uh, I'd like to add that uh, this, this ties in to what we said at the beginning of the episode with Trump saying that the Constitution should be suspended, which that's essentially, that's pretty much by definition martial law. Martial law is when the government says, all right, your constitutional rights are suspended for now to protect you, of course. You must stay in your homes. You cannot have social events. You must wear a mask, yada, yada, yada. And I'm not saying necessarily that the pandemic was martial law because, I mean, yeah, you were legally allowed to leave your home, perhaps just for a walk down the sidewalk. But people were... In Britain, having, they arrested people for doing that. Yeah, they arrested people for... In a number of countries, they did that. Oh, yeah, in many countries, yeah. This goes into why what Trump said was so stupid. When you say, okay, government, you can take my rights just for now, just for this emergency scenario, even if hypothetically it doesn't happen, even if the government is feeling merciful enough to give you back your rights, you're playing a very, very dangerous game with that. Hell, I've even seen memes about it. Uh, somebody saying, quote-unquote, oh, it's okay, the government will give us back our rights uh, when this emergency is over. And it was like every historian, every person in history ever laughing their fucking ass off. And it's like, uh, I believe it was Ronald Reagan. He might not have coined the saying, but it, it's who I heard it from. The government never shrinks willfully. If the government ever oversteps its boundaries, it's up to the citizens to take that from them. The government, like you said, it will never move backwards, except in very, very small margins to make it look merciful and glorious, hence tax returns. Hey, we're taking 40% of your income, but at the end of the year, we'll give you back 5% of that. Thank you. What a merciful God you are. That's how the government works. Right. As Frank Chodrov once said, political power never abdicates. It's just as simple as that. The state, once it allocates to itself more power, once it aggrandizes itself to a new level, it's not going to retreat. Person. Because the state, keep in mind, only exists through the lived experience of the bureaucrats who make it up. They're just people. And what person is going to 
just of his own will, of his own volition, of his own free choice, will limit and circumscribe his own power. He's going to make it smaller, so to speak. Who does that? People don't really limit themselves like that. They have a tendency to maximize their own power. People have a tendency to vanity. People have a tendency to avarice. And when these people are in government, i.e. when regular people are in government, which is a criticism of government as an institution, not that we have the wrong people in there, then what else can you expect? This is just an inherent flaw of the state. The state is just inherently filled with people who are greedy, vain, and uh, a lot of times we should just be glad that they aren't excessively violent. Yeah. Which, I mean, how, how much farther do we have until it gets to that point? Some of them already are. I was just seeing a video the other day of a policeman where he was having this altercation with a guy who came out to check to see if his house was like getting broken into and the homeowner had a, had a gun and immediately the policeman, once he saw it, the homeowner has a gun, he immediately flips his lid and executes the guy on his porch. So right there, the government is populated by some very violent fellows, but we should be glad of sorts, maybe, that uh, not every taxman, policeman, and EPA man is uh, packing an AR-15 and is ca also packing that license to kill from James Bond. Right. Otherwise, we'd be in worse shape, but still. And you made a good point that I would like to elaborate on. You said the government is people. Right. I mean, right. as much as I talk about personally hating some of the people in government, they're just like normal people, but corrupted with power, which that would happen to almost anyone. You get put in a super powerful position. Power goes to your head. This has been known since, well, since civilized society was a thing. And right. that's what gets me about and this is a bit of a tangent, but people who shit on big corporations who say that corporations need to be regulated by the government, the government is nothing but a super powerful corporation. So The government is actually a monopolist because you can compete legally with a, a big corporation. I could start up a cell phone company and compete with Apple right now. I can't set up an alternate U.S. government and compete with Washington. Otherwise, they'll actually come and shoot me. So Exactly. <laughs> actually, the government is the worst kind of corporation. It's a monopolistic corporation. Exactly. When people, say we need, when people say we need socialism to get rid of monopolies, I'm like, all that does is create one massive monopoly over... Much worse every, monopoly. Over every single industry. You, if you don't like Apple, like for me, I do not. I do not have an Apple product in my apartment. I do not have a. I do not own a single Apple product because I just fucking hate them. I hate Apple, which is why I can go and get a Samsung or a Nokia or LG, what have you. 
if the government if we lived in a socialist society the government you get your phone from the government don't like that tough shit you don't like that they remove the headphone jack tough shit you don't like the camera quality the prices whatever you can go and use a uh, an aluminum can with some string or yell or whatever tough shit you don't like uh your brand of bottled water too bad you don't like your computer brand too bad guitar you don't like uh whatever the fuck it is you own tough shit bud that's what you're stuck with no competition you don't even need socialism to have that i don't like a lot of the things the federal government does i don't like how the, the postal service hasn't been solvent since 2006 i've still got to fund it i don't like how we're spending 845 billion i think that's what it is on the newest ndaa on the military a totally record amount that's a lot of shit that's a lot of money i don't want to spend that much money on the military industrial complex i'd rather not give kickbacks to raytheon but whatever we gotta do it Exactly. We don't have choice right here in our supposedly free state. Now, because a state is in, is just intrinsically not free. Now imagine that on everything you quote unquote own. Imagine that for every service, every product you consume, and that that is socialism. To anyone who says that that's not socialism, that is socialism. What Bernie Sanders wants with the, the health care and education, I mean. That's like a small percent of socialism. That's social democracy. That's what it's called. Socialism is when the government controls all means of production. So basically, and this is something, I actually heard it from a Marxist, and you will hopefully never hear me agree with a Marxist on anything ever again, but he said that all communism is socialism, not all socialism is communism. Socialism is the government runs the means of production, communism is the complete redistribution of wealth. So to anyone that whines about income inequality, you're, you're on thin ice. You're about to get into communism, and I mean that's what it is. When somebody complains about income inequality, you're basically advocating for communism. Imagine thinking inequality is bad. Exactly. I remember somebody uh, somebody blamed the Great Depression on Calvin Coolidge, which there are a num- number of people that do. It was not at all Calvin Coolidge's blame to take. But uh, somebody said, any time... He said, during the Roaring Twenties, under Coolidge's presidency, there was a huge uh, gap of income inequality. Too many really rich people while there were a bunch of poor people. He said, any time that you have that much income inequality, there are going to be dire consequences. And by dire consequences, I'm assuming that you mean somebody has more money than you, so you're jealous. That's how it's going to be in any free economy. There are going to be rich people, middle class people, and poor people. And yes, it sucks. There are always going to be people that live in poverty, and that sucks. But that's how the economy is. Not everybody is going to be living a super wealthy life. And that sucks. I wish it didn't have to be that way, but that's how it is. Under Marxism, though, or under redistribution of wealth, you're still going to have that huge gap. It's just going to be 
the 1%, which will just so happen to be all the government officials who create these communist laws, and then the 99% who are all living under the poverty line. So, it is written, the poor will always be with us. So I'm not really sure why anyone is surprised that uh, some people are still not living in million-dollar mansions. It was the same a thousand years ago. It'll be the same a thousand years hence, quite frankly. Poverty is uh, something that you're going to have in any, in any economy. Yes. Say tomorrow, all property is seized in this country as redistributed with total equality, i.e. everyone gets the exact same amount of assets. 24 hours after that happens, there will be rich people relative to the day before and poor people relative to that. Some people are going to go out and spend it all at a strip club and on booze. Others are going to invest it and have made a tidy profit the opening of the stock market the next day so poverty and success are things that you can control the mostly these are things that flow most often from your innate characteristics people are not born the same people have different gifts people have different drawbacks some people are stronger than others some people are more beautiful some people are smarter. Some people have all kinds of other gifts. This natural diversity of people is what makes the human race so fascinating, so interesting, so good. It would be a terrible dystopia. It would be utter hell. It would be a Harrison Bergson novel if everything was the same, if people were all exact clones, like from Star Wars or something. That is the egalitarian dream. And it's not a dream, actually. It's a nightmare. That's... That's terrifying for everyone to be the same. I wouldn't want to be the same as my neighbor, would you? Absolutely not. That's why I just don't get it. I remember reading some page, hell, might have even been on Wikipedia again, uh, that some stupid philosophy, uh, Wikipedia wrote positively about it saying, it has been proven to reduce income inequality. Income inequality is always going to be a thing. And the thing is, when people talk about income inequality, you know, obviously they look at people like Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, shit like that, and then they talk about somebody who's living in a trailer somewhere. Somebody living in a trailer here has it so much better than, hell, the majority of other people in the world. They say that in order to be in the 1% of the world financially, you have to make, I can't remember the exact number, but it was in the 30-something thousand dollars a year. Luxuries available to the lowest amount of people in this country. Basically, if you have a job in this country, you will have luxuries and access to them that would have been undreamed about by Crassus, by Caesar, by Louis the 14th all of the progress that has been made in the past few hundred years can all be chalked up to human freedom the innate differences between people and the freedom provided by relatively decent governments like the Benelux countries in uh, before the rise of Britain and then when uh, Britain took over for them uh, obviously the British 
than the United States. And there are still some relatively free societies out there where people can invest, build, associate, labor, and contract as they will. But the free societies of the world, the point is, they created the best society that has ever been built, materially. And I don't understand why people are always shitting on it. It makes the technology and the prosperity that made this show possible. Sure, assuredly, if anyone's listening to this show at all, they're listening to it on the products of the innovation made possible by free men working in free countries where they're able to invest, contract, labor as they wish. Exactly. And that's why anytime somebody uses the term income inequality, the way I'm hearing it is you're just jealous because somebody else is richer than you. I literally only care about how I'm doing and uh, how, like, the average person is doing. If the average person is doing better, and even the people who are in the lowest rungs of society are doing better than they used to be, as long as people are doing better, it doesn't matter what the people at the top are doing. The people at the top are always doing their own thing. And as it doesn't matter what they're doing because the economy isn't zero sum. If Jeff Bezos is making money, that doesn't mean he's taking it from me. That doesn't mean that, that this is money that I can't have now. No, the, the likelihood is that this money, this is new money that's been generated by the gains from trade is what's called. That's usually where it comes from. The, these people aren't out there robbing banks and shit. I, that's one of the things about these socialists and like far left wingers and all. They think the economy is zero sum, the pot doesn't grow, and that the more the people at the top have, the less everyone else has. And that's just economic illiteracy. All I can say is that's, that's just wrong, and the technical name for it is the zero sum fallacy. It's Amen. simply wrong. Amen. And that's, that's something that, hell, I already kind of said, but if you're talking about turning a capitalist society into a socialist society in order to create, quote-unquote, less income inequality, you're not taking away the 1%. You're just changing who's in the 1%, which the 1% changes all the time. People come in and out of the 1%. People make more money one year than they did before. All you're doing when you go into a socialist society is you put the president, quote-unquote president, the dictator, the, the high government officials in that 1%. Meanwhile, everybody who would be in that 1% through running a business or being a CEO goes back into that 99% who are more than likely going to be below the poverty line, which would no longer be the poverty line. You would just move the poverty line down. So everyone, who, if you have a microwave and a car and a phone, you're already better than, I'd say, at least 75% of the rest of the world, at least in, say, third world and some second world countries. Right. When under a socialist society everybody besides those government officials you you'll be equal you'll you'll all be equal you and your you and your neighbor 
will both be equally broke. In the Soviet Union, they had a whole word that they had to invent for these people. In Russian, it's pronounced nomenklatura. These are the mid-level to upper-level bureaucrats. There were literally millions of them in the Soviet Union. It takes a lot of bureaucrats to run a socialist state. Who knew? And these people created their own path. They, create, they recreated the nobility of the feudalistic days that they so championed and railed against. They had their own stores. They had their own doctors. They got cars when nobody else got them. They got dachas, which are these luxury Russian houses in like Sochi and places like that, where most people were living in crowded Soviet tenement buildings. These ugly, god-awful, vandalistic, uh, concrete blockhouses that look like uh, Enver Hoxha bunkers or something. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking These, about. Yes, there, there was a book that was written. In fact, I have a copy of it on my shelf by uh, Leonid Brezhnev's niece, uh, Lubashaka Brezhneva, where she detailed this whole other world of the Soviet bureaucracy. These people who would have these crazy parties with like uh, all these hookers and caviar and wine flowing, and uh, they're all drinking imported liquors and driving imported cars, and they're flouting the Soviet importation restrictions so they can buy a whole bunch of luxury goods in like Milan and London and Paris, and then take them over to the Soviet Union, sell them on the black market. All the while, people are lining up all day to get their miserable little, little pound of butter, their, uh, their uh, black bread that's made of inferior grains, and uh, they're living in these asbestos-ridden tenement buildings and working insane hours. And also, you couldn't even unionize in the Soviet Union. All the unions were controlled by the state, and God help you if you try to strike. They will send you to a gulag. Ha <laughs> so I, I ha. God that help to, you if you try to strike. I, I, don't, I don't mean to do that to laugh at the people who went to gulag. I meant the irony of <laughs> unionization <laughs> being illegal in a socialist country. <laughs> Yay for the workers' state. Yeah, it's just we... not for the workers. It's for the nomenclatura. For by the people, for the people, and by by the people, I mean y'all, and by for the people, I mean me. Yes, a country by the bureaucrats, of the bureaucrats, for the bureaucrats. Ah, uh, it's a sounds like a wet dream for Washington. They would love this. Oh yeah. Nobody tell Washington about socialism. Otherwise, we're going to have a revolution tomorrow. <laughs> Feel the burn. Oh, I most certainly am not. They'd send me to a gulag. <laughs> yeah, we we would both be in gulags right now. Oh, yeah, we'd be doing a tusk from the bootleg radio in the gulag. Privet, my comrades. Welcome back. To... Bliat! Oh, yes. So I love this show. <laughs> Yeah, I love this show, too. You're not going to get this anywhere else, folks. Nope. I mean, you would in a gulag if we lived in the USSR. We'd be in our... Uh, no, oh, we'd, yeah. we'd be executed immediately. In all seriousness, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's our little economics crash course. Just go to work. I I know. Yeah, it sucks. Obviously, capitalism is far from perfect, but it's as it's as close as any society has ever gotten. Yes, there's quote unquote income inequality. I I would kill to be as rich as Elon Musk. I mean, he's got what you call fuck you money. He literally he can literally throw money around because he's bored. And yes, it is unfair that we have people living in mansions and then we have people on the streets begging for money. Yes, that's tragic. And that's why I am all for what you would call voluntary socialism, a.k.a. charity. Donate. If you can, even if you don't get a good paycheck, if you can take, you know, a dollar, donate it somewhere. Do more to help your community. But the problem is the government isn't the answer. Think about it this way. If I have a $20,000 hospital bill, is it okay for me to walk up to my rich neighbor hold him at gunpoint and say, you're going to pay my hospital bill or I'm either going to throw you in a cell and if you don't let me throw you in a cell, I'm going to shoot you. That wouldn't be okay, right? Well, that's what socialism is. It is the government looking at a rich person and saying, hey, you're going to give us this amount of money and we're going to put it into a service to give it to these people. If you don't do that, we're going to send men with guns over to your house. We're going to take you and we're going to throw you in prison. And if you resist, we're going to incapacitate you so that we can throw you in prison. And if we can't incapa- incapacitate you, then we're just going to kill you. That's what social that is what it comes down to. And just because people say, "Okay, it's not worth the hassle. I'll pay it." That doesn't mean that it's not robbery. Because if you did try to resist it and say, no, this is my money, I want to keep my money, then they're going to shoot you if they can't throw you in prison. That's what socialism is. It is theft that most people just so happen to think it's not worth the hassle to fight against. Indeed. As anti-Soviet economist uh, Yuri Maltsev wrote on a few occasions, the healthcare system sucks over there too. You totally have to bribe the surgeons to get decent service. Otherwise, they're like not going to use anesthetic or they're going to fucking operate on the wrong leg or something. <laughs> That's why I, I've heard that this is a myth, but I've heard that sometimes it has happened to uh, not not just over there. I mean, in general, anywhere at any hospital when somebody's having an operation done or if they have to get a limb amputated, they'll write not this leg on it. I saw it on an episode of House, and I looked it up to see if it was true, and apparently some places have done it. But I've also heard some people say that it's just a myth. I mean, I would do it. I mean, why the fuck not? Just to be safe. Can't hurt, right? That'd be something. Yeah. You got any other thoughts? Anything else we forgot? I think that covers a lot of it. Obviously, if we wouldn't have gone off on that uh, really based tangent then uh we might have had time for other stuff but geez i'm glad we did this instead yeah me too this is something that not enough people think about and just stay educated socialism is not a good thing communism is not a good thing at all 
we've seen what happens. And anyone who says, well, that's not real socialism, that's not real communism. Well, if socialism and or communism really does, really can create such a magnificent utopia, and it hasn't been tried yet, why not? You really think that you're the first person to think about this new communism that's not horrible? No. It all starts the way with the way these people think. Oh, well, we won't do that. We're not going to go that corrupt way. We're going to create it truly for and by the people. That's how it starts, and it's never how it ends. That's what Mao Zedong thought. That's what Vladimir Lenin thought. What every other communist ruler thought, and not a single good society has come from it, ever. Absolutely. You don't even need to say more than that. Uh, it fails in theory. It fails in practice. You'd think we would stop doing it, but people keep wanting to keep doing it. They this keep is... wanting to do it over here, too. This if you is... want to fuck up a different country, I guess go right ahead. That's a bad decision, but I guess it's your country. But don't fuck up my country. This is why history is so important to learn about. You can dig down to my blog and find it there at theconservativecritique.com. I had to plug it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Marquis has been very active this past week, and there is a lot of really good shit on there with uh, good citations, good sources. Head head on down to theconservativecritique.com. It's good shit on there, and it's. I got a good feeling it'll take off. Thank you very much, Tusk. God willing. God willing. Absolutely. We've got stories on the COVID shots and the military, economics and relevancy of important philosophies in economics, uh, the current San Francisco shit show situation, Trump versus Biden, the story of Trump and the Constitution, the House of Representatives, the current situation of our government. There's a lot of good stuff on there. So y'all definitely, I have the link in YouTube and on my podcast descriptions, theconservativecritique.com. You don't want to miss it. There's a lot of good shit on there. So y'all go over and give that website a look. You won't be disappointed. I'm feeling like a YouTuber for how much I'm telling people to subscribe to stuff. Subscribe to Tusk and uh, also put your email in the box at the bottom of any article on my Conservative Critique website and subscribe. Also, this podcast is brought to you by Raid Shadow Legends. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Sooner or later, we'll be making a fake apology episode. I am so, so sorry about what this did. I had such a bad childhood. Oh, woe was me. Anyway, this episode is brought to you by Raid Shadow Legends. Not really. <laughs> no, no. We don't apologize for shit here. <laughs> Anyways, that's episode 10 of Tusk. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Be sure, check out the YouTube channel. Check out Marquis' blog, theconservativecritique.com. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you all next time. God bless America.